welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a Kidman leader. Thanks for listening to today's episode, featuring a favorite presentation from one of our training experiences. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org slash children. Um, here's the first question that, that I want to ask you as we, as we begin. So you have a sheet of paper there, and you have a pencil probably. So let's talk about first, what is a blind spot, all right? Identifying a blind spot. So before you write anything on that paper, which uh, is, you try to answer this question, let me, let me talk to you about what this might mean. So have you ever, have you ever been driving? Have you ever been changing lanes? Or have you, have, have you ever been sitting with someone who's changed lanes? Or have you ever been sitting in your car and someone else has changed lanes? And so as you're driving, you look everywhere. You look in your rear view mirror, your side mirrors, you look everywhere. And you decide to change lanes. And when you do, you hear the horn blow. And your heart just stops. You know, that couldn't have been me. Uh, but you look, and someone was, some car was in your mind. Right. Now, you did everything you could do to look. I, I'm so paranoid about the blind spot that I, I will not only check all the mirrors, but then I'll turn my head, you know. I'm just making sure there's nothing there. Um, I've, so many people have come over in my lane. I've come over in so many people's line. You've, you've experienced this. All right, let's think about for just a minute. You checked yourself this morning in the mirror. Well, some of you did. Check yourself in the mirror before you came. That was my joke for the day. There's no more jokes. Um, and to see what you looked like, to see how you were presenting yourself. We, we want to know that. We want to know how, how we're doing. But What if you sitting here this morning, this is what I'm praying before we finish, that the Holy Spirit would visit us and He would illuminate our minds. Because what if, let's think about this, what if you're sitting here this morning with some glaring spiritual or leadership flaws in your life and you don't know about it because it's in your blind spot? So you're just, you're just the greatest, right? Everybody says you're great. Everybody says you're wonderful. They think you're the best. And you think you're the best, don't you? I mean, you, you look at everything you do and you know, well, I'm, I'm pretty good. Because you're judging you on your intentions. You're judging everybody else on their outcomes. But you're judging you on your intentions, right? We all do that. Well, I'm, I'm doing my best. I meant to do better. I'm trying my heart. If they only knew what I was going through, you know, then they would give me some grace. You're judging yourself by your intentions. Well, that's, that's perfectly normal because we all do that. But what if we have some things in our lives, some spiritual or emotional issues in our lives that are in our blind spot that we literally cannot see. What we want to do is take this Scripture, this passage of Scripture that is so critical that the psalmist said, Search me, O Lord, and see. 
if there's anything in me. Now, blind spots for us, and so I'm asking you this question, what are your blind spots? So if you took your pen and your paper and you wrote down what you think your five blind spots are. So I'll give you about ten seconds to do that. No, wait. Wait, I'll give you five seconds to do that. Forget it. You don't need any time because if you can write it on that paper, it's not a blind spot. Because you see your, your inabilities, you see your difficulties, you see where you might be struggling. You think, again, you're judging yourself by your intentions. A blind spot is not that. A blind spot is what you literally do not see. And, and everyone, there, I, really, this is a, a, a funny and comical thing. As a little boy, I remember seeing it. So funny, you know, everything's funny as a kid. I remember seeing this woman come out of the restroom, and I don't know where it was, uh, but she came out of the restroom and she had on high heels and stuck on the, on the heel of this woman's shoe, you know, on the high heel, stuck there. She came out of the restroom, was a, a toilet paper, you know, right through there. And it was a long strand. So she had that, she had that thing spiked, you know, and she was walking. And it was just dragging behind her. And she didn't know. She was walking like, you know, I'm somebody. And everybody was thinking, man, that's just... And, and I was thinking, as a child, somebody needs to tell her. You know, somebody needs to do something. But she didn't see. So, for us, blind spots in our lives, they kind of make us susceptible to two things. They can make us susceptible to sin and to failure. Okay, first to sin, and we're going to talk about how things are, how uh, blind spots make us susceptible to failure when we talk about Moses, and we'll talk about Moses. We're going to talk about how blind spots make us susceptible to sin when we talk about David, because blind spots can make us susceptible to sin. So you don't know what your blind spots are, but this morning, if you could pray, and this is how we will we will end. We're going to commit ourselves to a few things, prayer, the Word, and community, that the Lord would help us. Because I believe if we could, uh, all right, uh, let's, let's try to break it down in a very practical way. Let's say you're a public speaker, and, and all of you probably are. You speak in public, that means you speak to children, or you speak to youth, or you speak to a church, or you speak to someone. Let's say you were a public speaker, and you did something habitually, while you're speaking. Give me an example of a public speaker and something they're doing while they're speaking. They do it habitually, okay? <clears throat> they might be, <clears throat> um, they might do, um, they, they're, how about this one? They're rattling keys, you know. All right, so what you would hope, and, and you know, with preachers, by the way, when you teach preachers how to preach, you tell them there are two important things to learn how to preach better. One is watch yourself. Two is watch people who know how to preach. So watch those two things. But the most critical of those is watch yourself. So you can see those glaring things that you might do. Well, how do we watch ourselves? How can we do that in our emotional and spiritual lives? What are the things that are there in our lives that might be hindering us, that might literally literally be blocking us from doing what God wants us to do? So this is what my prayer is. And when we pray, we'll pray about 15 after 9. That way we can, we can have those five minutes to, to kind of reflect. Um, 
What we're going to pray is that the Holy Spirit would help us begin to see those areas in our lives that we need to surrender to Him. That He would transform us. Because if there are blind spots in our lives, things that we, we don't see, they are, those spots are going to make us susceptible to, to sin and to failure. So let's talk first uh, about that. What happens if we are susceptible to sin what happens if we are susceptible to failure? And let's, let's talk about a very important Bible character who is probably one of the greatest leaders in the entire Scripture and certainly in the Old Testament. Uh, and, and then we'll, we'll apply this. How can I look at Moses, David, and the disciples and how can I then identify my own blind spots? So you can't write them on the list this morning maybe, but or at this moment, but maybe at the end, through the Scripture, we might be able to see some areas that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. So what are the blind spots of Moses? If, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, I'll, I'll read it for you. There's this, this uh, instance that occurred that happens when, when Moses is at the, the edge of going into the Promised Land. I mean, he's at the edge. He's in, he's in good shape. He's dealt with people for 40 years. God has called him. And this is really, this, this blind spot that Moses found himself possessing was a, was a very, I, I would say, although it was a dangerous blind spot, it's one that you and I could easily be susceptible to. Moses had spent 40 years, and if you've read the book of Exodus, if you've read uh, the story of the wilderness wandering and the struggles that Moses went through dealing with people. The difficulties in leadership is that you have to deal with people, right? Everyone could be a great leader if you didn't have to deal with people. I want you to see what happens to Moses that he loves the people of God in the book of Exodus so much. He loves them so much that when God offers him this really, this is a scriptural fact. God offers Moses that he would wipe out all those idiots that he was taking through the wilderness and make him a new people. That's how, how serious it was. And Moses says, no, Lord, don't do that. I, I love them. I, I, you, go with us. If you don't go with us, we won't go. I won't go. Go with us. So Moses loves his people, but he finds himself. There's a blind spot here that he doesn't see, and it's a frustration. I, I would say I could define it in Numbers, the book of Numbers, chapter 20. And, and it's there in your notes. Um, Numbers chapter 20, verses 10 and 11. Let me, let me read that, and then we'll give a little bit of background of what that actually meant. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, remember this is the situation where <clears throat> Moses has already in Scripture, they've been in, a, in, uh, in Exodus 17, they've been to this place that they didn't have water, and God told Moses to strike the rock, and water flowed out. Uh, so now they're at, and, and it happened, right? He struck the rock in Exodus 17, water flowed out, and it was, it was wonderful. Uh, God's done some amazing things through Moses. But I want you to listen to the tone as I read this, the tone that happens, and this is a blind spot. You know by Moses striking the rock 
instead of speaking to the rock, you know that's what kept him, we say that kept him out of the promised land. Would we all agree with that? That that's what the scripture said? Not allowed him to go. But doesn't that seem petty of God to you? I mean, it does to me. It seems petty of God if it was for striking a rock instead of speaking to it that he says, oh, no, no, no. You struck the rock so you don't get to go. I told you to speak. So, ha, ha. You've got to mess around with these idiots for 40 years, but you don't get to go. It's not about, to me, that's too petty. This wasn't about striking a rock or speaking to a rock. There's a deeper spiritual and emotional uh, truth to this. Listen to what Moses says. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels! Must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. God didn't keep Moses out of the will out of the promised land because he hit a rock. He kept Moses out of the promised land. He stopped him because Moses had a blind spot that was so severe. He was so overwhelmed. He was so sick of dealing with people. He was so sick of dealing with them. His self, right there in verse 10, it raised up. Must we bring water out of this rock? He began, he put himself in the place, in, in a sense, just in those words. And when we get to heaven, I want to, you know, I, I, if I'm wrong about this, the Lord will tell me and it'll be all right. But I, I really believe what I'm seeing here is God's too petty to keep you out of uh, the promised land just because you hit a rock or spoke to it. This is a deeper issue here that, that Moses says, you rebels, are we going to have to bring water out of this rock? God, God doesn't share his glory with you or Moses, or me. He's the one who supplies the need. It's not us. The blind spot here that I'm seeing in Moses that he didn't even know he had was this overwhelming deal of, of messing and dealing with these people. What also caused him to scream this out is they complained everywhere. They complained everywhere in every way. They were always complaining. So you and I as leaders, we constantly have to deal with people who complain. Now, uh, as, as uh, Melissa McDonald, she, I liked it the way she said uh, itty-bitties about the uh, certain you know, types of children's ministry, maybe the nursery, you deal with itty-bitties. They don't complain as much, maybe, I don't know. Then you get the next level of children, they might complain a little more. And then you got youth, and they might complain a little more. But if you got adults, they always complain. <laughs> so we know that. And how do we know that adults always complain? Because we're all adults. And we know what that's like. So the blind spots of Moses, maybe you see here, do you see any of yourself in Moses that, that maybe there's something in, in you that is causing you to, to get frustrated with people and in that blind spot, your reaction may be one that is unpleasing to God. But the only way to know that is by the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, we're in Pentecostal people, people of the Spirit, rather than calling ourselves just Pentecostal. Why don't we say we are people of the Spirit? People of the Spirit, we have a great advantage 
Because we desire so desperately to be in tune with the voice of the Spirit, to hear Him. So what if we're sitting here today and the Holy Spirit is speaking to us individually, but we don't hear Him? That's why for us, and and I might say, if I could back up just a moment to ask this question, how can I identify my blind spots? I want to give you one nugget, which we'll talk about maybe a little bit at the end, but... um, you need time for reflection as a leader. You need time for reflection. The busier you are, the more reflection time you need. I'm, I'm too busy to sit quietly and reflect. I have too much to do. You don't understand. I work a job. I'm the children's pastor. I lead youth. I work in the church. I'm a mom. I'm a dad. I have friends. I have situations I need. I, I, I don't have time for reflection. If you don't have time for reflection, you don't have time to hear from God. Reflection time where you sit and you quietly, and and it may have to be on a bus, it may have to be on a train, it may have to be like Dr. Seuss, on a train, in the rain, wherever you have to be to hear from God. That's that's one of the ways God is going to uh, reveal to you some of these blind spots. It's why I really believe we're seeing so many celebrity preachers fall. They're just getting caught up in the game. They're just getting caught up in the game of doing ministry. And so as they get caught up in that game and as they flow in that game, it's very dangerous for them. They're not taking the time to hear from the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I wonder about Moses and, and this tragedy of not being able to, to hear God say what He needed to say before He struck the rock. Okay. Where are the blind spots of Christ's disciples? This is... This is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture that, that, I, that I know of. I want to put you in a, in a place, and this is a great place for the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning. So I want you to imagine that Jesus has lived His entire life in the shadow of the cross. Okay, This is, this is the pivotal moment. If we don't get anything else out of this class... This is the pivotal moment for us that the Holy Spirit can speak to us right now. Imagine Jesus. He has lived His entire life. Have you ever walked in a shadow before? Like there's a, let's say there's a tree and, and the sun's behind the tree and it, throws, it casts a shadow or a building or something and you walk in that shadow. You ever, have you ever done that? Alright, Jesus has lived His entire life in the shadow of the cross. Now you know, the closer you get to something... In that shadow, what happens? Shadow gets bigger, right? So Jesus is walking, he's living his entire life in the shadow of the cross, which means he knows he's always going that way, right? He's always headed to the cross. So as he's going to the cross, the cross is getting bigger, the shadow's getting bigger. Well, this is the night. Remember, Jesus in the incarnation, he is not just God, he is also fully man. Fully and completely God, yet fully and completely man. So in this moment, here's the truth. You and I desperately need people, friends, family, people in our life to share with who can also share our burdens. So imagine this moment that Jesus has picked these 
these 12 people to, to share his life with. And then a step further, he's even picked these three other pe- people, Peter, James, and John, to really share his life with in his inner circle. So he's walking toward the cross and the shadow is there and he is in this, this type of, of uh, pain as he prepares to go to the cross. And you'll see, if you read the Gospels in this moment, I want you to look at the heart of Christ as he begins to talk to his disciples right on the eve of his crucifixion, the eve of bearing the sin of the world. He speaks to these disciples. It is an absolutely unbelievable opportunity he gives his disciples to see him bear his heart to them as never before. Because he's about to go die. And, and you can just pick up on these, if you're looking for them, these nuances of what Jesus is doing in this moment before he's about to die. The book of Luke says, uh, in chapter 22, verse 14, let me read it, pay, pay close attention to this, uh, to this passage, what, what exactly happens here. And I want you to look for the blind spots that the disciples have. If we get caught up into just doing things for Christ instead of being with Him, we'll miss just about everything that He wants to tell us. We may accomplish what we wanted to, but we'll miss what He wants to tell us. Luke 22 and 14, When the hour came, Jesus and His apostles reclined at the table, and He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I won't eat of it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks. Now, imagine this room is dimly lit. And imagine them, they're sitting all around the table. And Jesus is not just taking a Passover meal. He is pouring his heart out to them. And if you, if you can see this, particularly when we, we've watched the little recreations of the Last Supper and we've seen those things over and over, we see a stoic Christ. I don't know if I tried to put myself in that dark, dimly lit room with those 12 men sitting around that table the night before he's about to die, Jesus holds up the bread and he says these words to them. This is my body broken for you. He holds up the cup. This is the blood that is in my body shed for the remission of sin. In those words, in this time of pulling them in, He's trying to to say to them, I need you. You know, he He will do something later that we'll see. Remember what happens when He takes them out to the garden after, after the Last Supper. He takes them out to the garden and He says this to them. He goes a little farther. He takes these three, His three closest friends, He takes them a little farther. See, what's happening in this moment, what the Holy Spirit is doing in this moment is He's giving those disciples, Peter, James, and John in particular, and in the, in the upper room there, or in the room where they were uh, going through this Last Supper, He's giving them an opportunity to be with Him in a way and he's showing them himself in a way they never have seen before but something is keeping them from that it's like a wall or or something is hiding them from seeing what he is doing how how do we know that because he goes on to say uh, when he when he uh, in verse 19 he took bread he gave thanks he broke it and he gave it to them saying this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, verse 20 says, he, he took the cup. This is the covenant in my new blood, in my blood which is poured out for you. He, he says all that. So put yourself in this room. Can you imagine? I don't know if he held up the, the bread. I wonder about tears coming out in his eyes, you know. He's really pouring himself out. But then one of the tragedies in all of the Scripture, and we miss it so often, the tragedies in all of Scripture happens next. Jesus is pouring Himself out and He desperately needs them. And the Scripture says in verse 24, if you'll look or listen, in the midst of all this, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered the greatest. Man, like if you're going to argue, if you're going to fight, why would you pick this moment to do it? In, in the moment that Jesus is literally giving Himself away to them and, and with tears and weeping and He's about to go to the cross, the Scripture says that at this moment a dispute arose among them which who would be considered the greatest. Jesus said to them in verse 25, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But He says these important words in verse 26, But you are not like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? And then you know what he does? Luke doesn't tell us this. But John does. When he looks at them in the middle of their not seeing... He does the only thing that you could possibly do to get someone who's in a blind spot. He tells them, you, you can't be like this. That's not like you. And then he doesn't just tell them, but what does he do? He reaches over and he grabs a towel and he wraps it around himself. And he gets down on his knees in front of Peter and he begins to wash Peter's feet. And the blind spot that Peter has, it's, it's, it's hilarious that he can't see this. But it's heartbreaking. And you know what else is heartbreaking? Is that we sit in this room and we so often judge Peter like we would never do that. Yet we do it all the time. So he begins to wash Peter's feet to show him what he's talking about in Luke 22. The Gentiles lord it over there, but you guys are not like that. The greatest among you is the servant. The greatest one is the one who will wash your feet. So I'm washing your feet. The greatest is the servant. And Peter says, no, no, you can't wash my feet. Jesus was illustrating to Peter, I am the greatest. Because the greatest will serve. I am the grace. And what does Peter do? Because he's completely blind. Lord, help us never to miss what your Holy Spirit is doing because we are blind to our own agenda, our own thing. Lord, don't, don't let us do that. You'll never wash my feet. Jesus said, well, then if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. What does Peter say? Okay, he still doesn't give Good, then wash my hands, my head, wash, wash my whole body. He doesn't understand what Jesus was doing. And Jesus even said that. You don't get what I'm doing now. But you'll, you'll understand it later. Of course, we know He goes to the garden. And he, he prays and He takes Peter, James, and John. He says, wait right here with me and pray with me. 
And we know what they do. They go to sleep. Because they keep missing that moment. The blind spot in them, and it could be pride, it could be an inability to see what what God is doing, whatever it is, the blind spot in them is causing them to miss. And I I wonder if heaven will be a great revelation for us. That if if there is a big videotape, you know, an MP3 or VHS or whatever it is that is that God has, uh, that He runs it back. What if we see those moments that we missed that He was trying to show us? Today we're talking about our blind spots in our lives that make us susceptible to sin and to failure. I don't know if this was sin or failure that the disciples had. I just know they missed an opportunity to be with Jesus that would have been transformative in their lives. That they may have, after receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they may have went back and pondered that night and thought about that. But how do those blind spots keep us from seeing what God wants to do in our lives. You're the servants of God. You work for the Lord. You work with the Lord. And He wants to show us tremendous things. But are there spots in our lives, things that we don't see? We need the Holy Spirit to reveal those to us, don't we? Could it be our attitude? Could it be our heart? Could it be that we don't see? I I really uh, am amazed at how people say certain words uh, when you, especially as a pastor, if you deal with people who Uh, have some struggles, and they say, that's just my personality. You know, I've seen some really hateful people. Christians. Spirit-filled. They could could speak in tongues, you know, but then they just mean. And you say, well, you know, why are you so coarse with people? Well, that's just the way I am. I'm, I'm just that way. Well, don't be that way. You know, what God wants to do is transform us into His image. And and so when we say things like, that's just the way I am, then we're denying God pushing against those blind spots in us. So we gotta, we've got to get to our last guy, which, which is really amazing, the life that happens in one of, the, one of the men who was so broken for God in so many instances of Scripture, and that's David. There's this, uh, there's this tremendous story about David that that he commits sin, and you know this sin, so I won't go through all the details of this. But the scripture says that in the time that kings should have been going out to war. David stayed home. You know that. David also, we understand, he was the man, the man after God's own heart. right? So we know he was a worshiper. We've even prayed, Lord, let me worship like David worshipped. Let me, let me dance like David danced. Let me do what David did. But David had a severe blind spot in his life. And it wasn't just for him about, about um, failure. It was about sin. David's blind spot caused him to sin. And we want to be careful who we're listening to. Okay, That is, is really important. Who are you listening to? Are you listening to yourself? And what are you saying to yourself? Are you listening to friends? Are you listening to God's Word? Who are you listening to? That's really, really important. You know who I think David was listening to? 
why he missed, and, and we'll read, I think it's in your notes, we'll read from 2 Samuel uh, in just a moment, but you know who I think David was listening to? There's this story before David has officially become king when he comes with Saul after a great victory. You may remember this, this story. David comes in to back in uh, back home and his army is with him. And he's I want you to imagine David riding on a horse and Saul the king riding on a horse beside him. And as they ride back home, the the imagine thousands of people around in this victory march that you're riding on your horse back home. So they ride in and and do you remember I can't, I can't tell you where it is, but do you remember what the crowd begins to cheer? And Saul's riding on a horse, and they cheer. Saul has killed his thousands. Well, that, I mean, yeah, that's great. But then David has killed his tens of thousands. I think those words, boy, I'll tell you, uh, I can live off a good compliment for years. I have a red shirt. It's worn out. It, it got frayed. I mean, was, I wore that shirt so many times because somebody one day said, you look good in that shirt. That looks great. You know? So I just wore it over and over and over until it was completely worn out. We live off those things. We want to be careful. I think what's happening in the life of David is the voice of the Holy Spirit is being drowned out because he's listening to the voice of people. And when the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to him about his sin, about his blind spots, his, the voice of the people telling him how great he is. See, that's, that's what's happening in our Christian world as we continue to see people in the name of Jesus sin openly and live in sin openly. And because their ministry is successful, they are okay. Because, well, it, they have to be, you know, we even say things like, well, I mean, people are coming to Jesus by, by thousands. Haven't you seen their, their church? You know, there's thousands of people. So it must, God is blessing. It must be right. Absolutely not. So David sees a woman who is not his wife. And he lays with that woman. She becomes pregnant. David has her husband murdered. And God, I promise you, every step of the way, God is speaking to him. I, I promise you that because he set his affection on David and he loved him. Every step of the way, he's speaking to David, telling him this. I want to tell you a story about a family member really quick. I wasn't going to tell this, but I'll, but I'll tell this story about a family member who was unfaithful to his wife on, on multiple occasions. He was unfaithful to her. And he was telling me, he was recounting to me the story. He was uh, called, it came out and all that. Uh, and he was a Christian at, at one time. He was retelling me this story about, he said, the night that my first affair, when I first was unfaithful to my wife, I had told a woman that I would meet her at a hotel. And so she was going to meet me at a certain time, certain place. He said, and that night, 
I, I knew it was my first time to ever be unfaithful to my wife. He said every single thing that night. This is a real, real story, okay? A real human being tells me this story. He said everything I did that night when I got in my truck to leave and go to the hotel, my truck would not start. What, what do you think that is? But what do you do when... Okay, God, you're right. No, you go get jumper t- jumper cables. And you jump the truck off so that you can go. And then I forget the second thing. He said, but I go here and something else happened which stopped me. Like someone is there. that Okay, that's going to shut it down. So what do you do? God's speaking to you. God's stopping you right there. But what do you do? You just go around them. Because if there's a blind spot in your life that you can't see, the Holy Spirit is speaking, but you, you won't surrender to it. I think David, in this whole scenario, God is speaking to him, but, but he's blind to it. And for us, um, as leaders, we have to say every day, God, show me. Show me where I am. Search me, O Lord, and and let me see. And these are not just... You may sit here today and say, well, I don't have those kind of sin problems. And I hope you don't. But what about the failure problems? What about the issues that would cause you to fail spiritually? What if you're on the edge of a breakthrough, but there's something in your life that you may be missing? It, It could even be... This may not be about ministry. This might be about your marriage. This might be about your children. I'll tell you, uh, in my own life as a parent, uh, God has revealed some things to me that that definitely changed everything about the way I parent because I was missing it. I was completely blind to it. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. um, You you know this, but, but let me read it. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich... And the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it and grew up with it and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man, and he prepared it for the one who had come to him. Now, that's the first four verses of 2 Samuel 12. Nathan the prophet is speaking to David in a, in a, a, in a story form. And he is describing to him, he's showing David who he is. But David can't see it because he's blind. And verse 5, when David hears this, and you understood that, that story that he says one man has one, one little lamb and he loves it, but this rich property owner has all the sheep and he has everything he needs, but when it comes time to slaughter, he goes and steals the one sheep that the poor man had. Rather than messing with all the other sheep that he had, he goes and steals that. Well, verse 5 says when David hears this story, he thinks it's a story, it's a real story, and it's about somebody who's in his kingdom. And verse 5 said, David burned with anger against the man. And he said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, this man must die. And of course, he said he must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. 
And then Nathan said to David, well, you're that man. What? How can I be that man? I've never stoned. How can that be? It's the moment that the Holy Spirit rushed into the room and the walls came down and he understood this. I did this. And I can't believe I did this. I can't believe this, this was me. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord? Why did you despise the word of the Lord? By doing what is evil in his eyes. You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Amorites. David is crushed, but you know what? It's too late. Uriah is not coming back. The blood of Uriah cries out from the ground. He's not coming back. It's too late. David's blind spot caused him to to commit sin. In this room, there are enough people in this room. There are enough of us in this room, and the percentages will be too high, that someone in this room could be susceptible to severe sin in your life that by this by the next ICM you will be lost or someone in your family will be lost there's enough of us in here that's that's very possible unless we see the blind spots that are in our lives that are keeping us from really having this depth of relationship with the holy spirit where he reveals to us where we are and and the most dangerous thing is that we would say i, I don't see anything my life. So what do we do? What is the answer and how can we actually eliminate these blind spots in our leadership and spiritual values? And on your, on your page there are three things that, that I mentioned there. What the Spirit re, uh, reveals to us. How he, how he directs us. How the Spirit reveals to us. And then how the Spirit heals us. So we have to be committed to being people of prayer. So I want to I just say this to you before we go into our time of prayer. And I'm not a gloom and doom guy. You know, I don't, I'm not always... The message is not always like this. That you know, Let's talk about all our sin and all our failure. It's not, it's not like... This. I've got some good stuff too. But this is, this is kind of, you know, the, the depth of, of where this is. We have to commit to be people of prayer. Um, pray, praying so much. And I want to I say this too. This is really important. Prayer is not... Uh, I, most of the people I know who pray, they don't actually pray, they preach. Just about everybody that I know, they really don't pray, they preach. So what does that mean? You ever listen to people pray? They just preach at God. Conversation with God is listening and speaking. So you haven't prayed, you've just preached if you're not listening. If you're not reflecting... And listen to God. You just preached Him a great sermon. He may cheer for you. He may tell you a great word, great word, great message. But you haven't really spoken to Him unless you've spoken to Him and He's spoken back to you. Spoken to Him and He's spoken back to you. That's a life of prayer. That's committing to God in a life of prayer. Second thing we, we want to do is to be people of the Word where the Spirit can reveal to us the truth of, of our lives. We're people of prayer. We're people of the Word so that He can reveal to us our blind spots, that we can see them. Thirdly, 
And lastly, we want to be people of community. Uh, I've, I've said that in our lives, we need three people in our lives at least. Someone to walk behind, someone who's like a mentor to us, someone who speaks to us specifically about our lives. We need someone to walk behind. We need someone to walk beside, someone who is kind of an equal to us, someone who is a very close friend who will tell us the truth about our lives, though it is painful. And then we need someone to walk behind us. If you don't have someone that you're mentoring and training and raising up to try to take your place and to be better than you as a son or as a daughter, you you need to have that person. So there's three people in our lives. Someone to walk behind who we can mentor or pattern our life after. Someone to walk beside us such as Aaron and her were that held up the hands of Moses. And someone to walk behind us. Someone that we can empty out into them what God has emptied into us. How can we identify our blind spots and see them eliminated because we are people of prayer, the Word, and community? When is the last time someone under the influence of the Holy Spirit gave a word of knowledge or wisdom to someone not to embarrass them, not to be great, but that the Spirit spoke through them or through you and spoke that word that Nathan spoke to David. Don't go out of here and say, Lord, start using me to reveal sin in people's lives. Because if you start praying that prayer, you may find somebody else is praying that too, and it's coming your way like a tidal wave. But we want to be people of the Spirit. So let's end this morning with prayer. That we open our hearts up to God and we say, God, not, I'm not talking about today. See What, what this lesson is for, this, this might not be for today for you. This might be for a year from now or two years from now when you find yourself in a crack that you are a person of prayer and the Word and community so that you can never have a blind spot. So you never miss those moments that God is speaking to you. Could we pray together and just say, Lord, reveal Yourself to us. Father, we thank You. We bless You. We, we praise You for being our God. I pray that You would be the God who speaks to us. Lord, so many of us, we preach at you, we tell you all kinds of things, but Lord, let me hear your voice. Lord, speak to us if it's in your word or if it's through your people or if it's by your spirit. Speak to us. Speak to us powerfully and strongly. Let us see what you're saying. Let us know what you're saying. God, I pray for every person in this room that you've given us the opportunity to be with this morning. I pray for them that their blind spots would be destroyed that You would reveal to them every aspect of their lives that may be dangerous for them. That they'd see those things that are sitting in their blind spots. And me. God, let me see those things that are sitting in my blind spot that I could give it to You. I could surrender it to You. Lord, let me find intimate moments with You that You speak to us. You really spoke to us yesterday morning, I think as a group collectively. I've really felt your spirit. I pray you do the same thing this morning and every morning. You help us, Lord, to to come after you, to pursue you because we love to be with you. Lord, we thank you for our brothers and sisters here. Bless and keep and hold us in your arms and, and let us find places of Sabbath and places of transformation in your presence. We ask these things in Jesus' name. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org children. 